I'm going to give a little bit of a disclaimer, or I've got two disclaimers before I start. One is that I have a bit of a migraine at the moment, so I'm going, I'm trying to go sunglasses for you, but if I to put the shades on, it's not because I don't want to see your lovely faces, it's just <laughs> a tool that I'm using to help, okay? Uh, second disclaimer is actually about the material. <laughs> So I come from a Pentecostal background, and that has heavily influenced the sermon. Um, and saying that, the sermon makes a lot of assumptions that A, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and B, we are actively seeking to use this as we pursue a life of ministry. Often we frame ministry as an ordained role, for example, like Daniel and Rose, um, but it's actually something we can all choose to engage in. Um, and as I was seeking guidance regarding today's topic, I was reminded of the surety that we receive from the Lord and his kingdom. So I'm going to share a little bit more about a particular encounter I had as I was kind of preparing for um, this sermon, the topic of which is blessing. Um, but I'm going to leave that for later, because filled the anticipation is a good tool, I've been told. Um, yeah, but this topic has been on my heart for a while now. Um, and I don't believe that it's a coincidence that I'm speaking about it as our church explores the themes of experiencing God, Pai, the good news in Aotearoa, and sharing Jesus. So that's kind of the disclaimer-y like setup part. But there are effectively two fundamental ideas that I'm going to bring today. Spiritual authority and the power of blessing, which together provide us with the tools to build a ministry of blessing in our lives. For those of you who are good at math, two plus one makes three, so guess what? This is another three-point sermon. Come on. You're welcome. <laughs> so, spiritual authority. Does that idea sound scary or make anyone uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> I want you guys to turn to your neighbour now and just share about how that idea makes you feel, if you've encountered it before, or what it brings up for you. Um, now, I'm not going to open the floor and ask you guys to share, um, but I did just want to create a moment where you can connect with each other, because I think this is a topic that we don't talk about very often, and it can actually be, like I mentioned, a scary topic. Um, but I'm going to break it down a bit more now. <laughs> but a really important thing to keep in mind is that regardless of how you feel, spiritual authority is definitely something that we need to pause and understand as um, children of Christ. In Ephesians 1, 19-23, Paul talks about Jesus and the position he has inherited over our earth that he has authority in all things. But we carry within us a similar spiritual authority that we have inherited as children of God and followers of Christ. This authority means that when we pray, 
we can expect miracles. We can speak change over our communities, individuals, and our world. Embodying this authority is where the challenge actually begins, because we have to believe it. You have to feel it in your spirit. When Jesus healed the blind man, did he say, Hey Dad, um, there's this guy and I think that he deserves to be healed. Um, so would you maybe please, if it sounds good to you, return his sight? Only if it's no trouble, all good if you have better things to do. <laughs> No. He handed out such bangers as, I want to heal you, be healed, or pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> Where was the last time that you prayed like Jesus? Our prayers don't need to be eloquent or poetry worthy of the Psalms but they can be simple. When we seek to pray to bless with the authority of God behind us, what can stand against us? You are a child of the risen King, and you have inherited the authority of the heavens. It's not something you have to be for. He's given it to you freely. So that's pretty big, right? Who feels like that's a bit weighty? But it doesn't need to scare you. A core part of our call to follow Jesus is uplifting the downtrodden, and a beautiful way to do this is through the power of blessing. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the word for blessing is barak, and this translates as to speak the intention of God. Whereas in the New Testament, Greek, the word for blessing is eulogia, which may sound familiar because it's the root of liturgy. I mean, eulogy. Liturgy is another thing. <laughs> and eulogies, we know them often through funerals. It's how we reflect on someone's life and how we speak well of them. So when we hold these two things together, it paints a really beautiful invitation to speak the positive intention of God about or over something. There are many beautiful ways we can be a blessing to others, but intentionally seeking to bless on a spiritual level is a very powerful action. What would the world look like if we sought to implement a mindset of blessing in our relationships and our actions. A classic example in Jesus' ministry of this is when he healed the bleeding woman. She had been living with this affliction of constant bleeding for 12 years. She had been forced to live apart from her community for 12 years. Not only was she physically healed when she touched his cloak, but she was also freed from a life of being shunned for her condition. This miracle meant that she could be whole again as a member of her community 
emotionally, physically. From healing to miracles and actively lifting individuals up with his words, Jesus sought better for his people. We, you, can seek better for your people. For ourselves and our world. Another beautiful example of blessing are the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And the list goes on. What strikes me is that these sum up what it means to live as a child in God's kingdom. And some of these statements identify really painful spaces of life that we experience here on earth. The fact that each statement contains the word blessing isn't the active part, but it's the promise Jesus makes afterwards that implements the intention of God. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He is naming that group of individuals and recognising them. When you name something, you make it concrete. It transforms from an intangible concept to a manifestation within our world. Names have power. When he follows with, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he is saying, I see your suffering, your bruises, and despair, and I speak over you the right to and the gifts of the kingdom of heaven. To speak blessing, we seek to enact God's intention for our world. Now that we've covered those two foundation blocks of spiritual authority and blessing, we can start to discuss how we might go about building a ministry of blessing in our own lives. An important part of cultivating an attitude to blessing is humility. Now it may seem a bit contradictory to talk about being humble when I've just discussed our spiritual inheritance and authority. But they form the paddles of our boat. When we call upon our authority, we are doing so in the understanding that it doesn't come from our own power, but God's. I'm going to say that again. We do so from the understanding that it doesn't come from our own power, but God's. We can open the door, but it is God that unlocks it in the first place. Who here is familiar with the grace outpouring by Roy Goodwin and Dave Roberts? If you haven't read it, uh, then I highly recommend you do. Tessa isn't here tonight, but she's been kindly requesting that I return my copy. I've had it out for over a year. Don't be like me. 
good for your good book. <laughs> Thanks, Rose. It tells the story of Roy and his wife, Daphne. Their journey running a Christian retreat center in Wales, I'm gonna butcher this name, called Vald Ibrinen. I don't know if that's how you say it. That's my dude. In the miraculous ways God moved in that space. And Holly is going to read a little story for me. Returned to the everyday rhythms of life at Valdir Brennan. Within hours, there was a knock at the door. Tall and middle-aged, the couple calling on us were strangers. Hello, I hope you don't mind us calling like this, but I wonder if you could tell us what this place is. We sat them down at our table, where we had just finished lunch, and the reason for their trek of our long and steep drive unfolded. Well, we were driving along here, and we don't quite understand it, but we were compelled to come up your drive. They had noted that it was a Christian retreat centre, but that meant little to them. We made them a cup of tea, always a good place to start, and then talked in general terms about the centre for a while, before finally explaining to them that this is a place where lives get changed because God is real. They liked the idea of being shown around, so we guided them through the garden, with its special rockery, swiftly, swiftly flowing stream, and a beautiful view of the valley and surrounding hills. We took in the stone corridors of the main retreat centre, walked around the grounds and back to the final room, which happened to be the chapel. There they seemed to sense something of the presence of God, although they might not have been able to articulate what was happening to them. They sat down rather speedily, rather heavily, as though their legs had gone a little weak. I immediately created a new tradition we have a rule here about how we respond to our visitors. We like to bless them before they leave. May I bless you? They had no problem with that, so I simply said, I bless you in the name of Jesus to know God, his purpose for your life, and his blessings on you and your family, and the situations of your life. Amen. They started to weep. The sense of the presence of God seemed tangible. I quietly let myself out of the chapel so they wouldn't be embarrassed by my presence. It was time to let God do what he wanted to do for that couple. A little later, they came and found me, full of gratitude and rather shaken by what was for them the unexpected sense of God's presence. I was able to share a little more of the good news of Jesus before they left. Praying blessing over something requires us to recognise when our part is done and it is time for God to take over. Yeah. If we open our hearts to his spirit and seek to open the door, then there is no telling what God can do. But we need to trust him to do it. 
There are instances where blessing comes naturally. These are often inspired by connection and empathy. But there are also spaces where we have to make a conscious decision to choose it. In fact, it feels a lot like turning the other cheek. An example of this is a breakdown in relationship with another individual. Maybe you had a disagreement and you feel hurt and angry. Feelings of frustration and resentment might boil to the surface and it is easy to fall into the trap of thinking less than safe reflects. Rather than let the resentment simmer, we can choose to approach the situation by blessing the individual we are in conflict with. A way I have found to approach this is to think through the situation again and ask myself three questions. Why am I hurt? What frustrated me about the situation? And what was I hoping for? The answers to these questions can help inform how we frame our prayer of blessing. The thing that hurt me was I felt put down and disregarded. My frustration stems from a perception of not being listened to. I was hoping that my passion and insight would be seen as an opportunity to help. By breaking down that situation, I am able to see threads indicating a lack of communication, open-mindedness and compassion. I can then pray a blessing over it and the individual, but the threads I identified manifest. At its core, blessing is about hope. So I want to ask you all, what do you hope for? It may seem daunting, and it can be incredibly vulnerable to try and build this in your life. A good place to start is noticing who or what is around you. I often keep an eye out for individuals who are injured or noticeably unwell, and I pray healing over them. And I do this because I myself have experience with injury and long-term health. Um, issues so I can empathise and I can understand. Most of the time when I pray I don't do it aloud and often it is as I pass someone in the street. I can never really know if my prayer has been answered but I choose to hope that God manifests in their life. Another way I built a ministry of blessing in my life was by being part of a weekly prayer walking group um, that starred Alicia, Charlotte, Sean, Jacob, and Grace. For two years, we would spend an hour each week seeking to bless spaces within our city. The shape of your life doesn't need to dictate the way you can seek to bless others. It is your choice as to how you sow the seeds. 
to build a ministry of blessing is to build a ministry of hope. Before I wrap things up, I promised you all the story. Two weeks ago, as I was working on this sermon, I sought wisdom and discernment from Jesus to help bring all the facets together. I put aside my laptop, closed my eyes, and opened myself to the Trinity. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. There is a place that exists in my spirit, a small hill with a tree overlooking more than I can put into words. I walk up the hill, feeling the grass beneath my feet and a soft breeze in my hair as I approach the tree. It is under this tree that I meet with Jesus. Sometimes we talk, other times he simply holds me in his arms. This is a precious place. This is a peaceful place. When I closed my eyes this time, I was instinctively seeking Jesus with the intention of conversing. As I approached the tree, I could see him sitting at the base and looking away from me towards the view. He wasn't ignoring me by any means, simply sitting in contentment. When I was a few steps away, I felt a pressure in my hand and a weight on my back. I turned and saw the Holy Spirit looking at me intently. I acknowledged their presence and acknowledged that the topic of blessing and spiritual authority is intimately entwined within them. But I was here to speak to Jesus, so not letting go of the Spirit's hand, I tried to move closer to the tree so I could sit with my Messiah. We moved a few more steps before coming to a stop. And when I turned around questioningly, I sensed that the wisdom I needed was from them rather than Jesus. We didn't exchange any words, but the Holy Spirit pulled me closer and tucked my head under their chin as they embraced me fully. In that moment, I was completely surrounded by the spirit of the Trinity. I wanted this moment to never end, to exist forever in the space of reassurance and tranquility. I didn't need to have a deep theological conversation. I needed to feel the very manifestation of the Lord's intent for us all to be held lovingly within a deep well of peace and the reassurance that all our needs are met. At its core, Jesus' ministry and sacrifice was about hope. In a broken world, choosing to hope can feel daunting, but once you take the first step, the second is just within reach. And remember, you're a child of the risen king. 
that you have inherited the authority of the heavens. To speak blessing, we seek to enact God's intention. To build a ministry of blessing is to build a ministry of hope. Before the worship team comes up, I want to leave you with two things. The first is a quote from May It Be Sorrow by Justin McRoberts. May I never confuse my own limited capacity for love and generosity with the depth of the well I draw from. May I never confuse my own limited capacity for love and generosity with the depth of the well I draw from. The second thing is, as you go about your week, notice who and what is around you. How can you speak God's blessing over it and them?